As we look into John chapter 11, uh, I, I want to just kind of give you some history on, uh, on this story and, and, and kind of let you know where we're going to. We're going to look at the story of a man named Lazarus. And uh, the reason why I've, I felt like the Lord had me to teach from this story is that the, the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead is a type and a shadow of what was just about to take place in Jesus' life, being crucified and then ultimately raised on the third day. It was a type and it was a shadow. And, uh, and here's, what I, here, here's what I want you to walk away with after I'm finished today. I want you to walk away with the fact, the understanding, the truth that God through Jesus, because of what he accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, now has the, the ability to invade your present situation, no matter how you came in here. He can invade your present situation, and when we let him invade our situation, he begins to untangle our past. He begins to deal with our sin condition, and then he gives to us a solid hope for the future. And I don't know about you, but hope is a good thing to hang on to, especially when it's the foundation, the anchor of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do today. Over the next few minutes, we're going to, we're going to dive into this truth that, that God through Christ can invade your present situation, untangle your past, and give you a hope for the future. And here we see in John chapter 11, Jesus actually make a statement, and he, it's the seventh kind of I am statement in the book of John. Throughout the book of John, John was, Jesus was trying to say things that would reveal who he was. In, in one chapter, he said, I am the light of the world. And he was telling us about himself. And he said, whoever walks in the light will not uh, see the darkness. And, and here he says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is an important statement because I think today on Easter, you see, we can talk about what he did. We can talk about the event of the resurrection. But I think if we understand who he was, it will make what he did matter that much more. And that's what I want to do today. And so join with me in, in John chapter number 11. We're going to start in verse 17. If you're there, say, go ahead. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Somebody say four days. That means, that means he was already... <laughs> He was already starting to stink a little bit. Like, it, it, the four days is, is, you know, it was like there was no possible way. See, after the third day, they said there is no way for him to come back from that. I, I mean, you know, the, the things even physically that the body begins to do, there was no physical, natural way for Lazarus to be brought back. And, and honestly, uh, just to let you know, um, Jesus was very close to this family. So we've got Lazarus and we've got his sisters, Mary and Martha, who we're about to read about. But just to give you a little more back history on this, um, Jesus had had to leave Jerusalem because of persecution, and they were already plotting his death. And so he went out into the countryside to begin to minister there. And while he was there, a family that he was very close with, and Lazarus, Lazarus got deathly sick, and so Mary and Martha sent runners to him. They sent runners to Jesus to let him know, hey, Jesus, the, 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 the friend that you love so much, Lazarus, is about to die. Shockingly, Jesus' response was, we're going to wait a few more days. We're going to chill here for a little, for a little longer. You, you're going to what, Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see his, the, 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 this is not 
unto death. This is not unto death. As a matter of fact, I'm going to use this for my glory, which they didn't quite understand what he was saying. But what they did know is he waited two extra days to even show up to the scene. And this is where we are. And so when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Now this, if you, if you know about Mary and Martha, is kind of a role reversal because there's a story where Jesus comes to the house of Mary and Martha, and Mary's the one who's sitting at his feet, and Martha's the one who's, who's the, the rule follower. But here we see Mary staying back and Martha breaking the rules, and she, she runs out to meet Jesus. And you can imagine her frustration. Two days he waited. This is what she said. Martha said in verse 21, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the first truth that I want to talk to you about today as it regards the resurrection See, there are some implications for you and for me, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And, and here's the first one, is that there is now, because of the resurrection, healing for your past. In verse 21, she said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. He no-shows. Can you imagine this? Jesus, right? I, I mean, he, he, he doesn't even show up. And she runs out to him, and the first thing she says is, where were you? What took you so long? I sent a runner days ago, and are you now just showing up to the scene? Lazarus is already dead, by the way. What are you doing, Jesus? Just looking to the past. I was thinking about this as it relates to this question because, you know, we could ask questions like, how could you have let that happen? Or, or how about this question, which is probably the, the most asked question that I get as a pastor more than any other question. How could a, you know where I'm going with this, how could a good God allow bad things to happen? How could, how could you have allowed this to happen? I don't know about you because y'all, y'all might be saints and perfect, you know, Christians, but I've asked the question myself, Lord, how could you have allowed this to happen? How could you have let this hurt happen to me? How could you have allowed me to get in this situation which caused a domino effect and ultimately ended in this, in this tragedy? How could you have let this happen? Where were you? What I, as I was thinking about that this week, I was realizing that every time we ask that question, we always say this, how could a good God allow evil to happen and we point to some other external evil in other words let me ask you guys a question how many in this room have done something bad in your life i mean the pastor's hands up so y'all need to just just come clean today come clean like this is the last service today so we got a lot of time i'm not on a schedule right now Everybody's done things bad, and, and every, at some point, has, we, we have had evil in our own heart. The Bible tells us this. 
But I've never once heard anybody say that question and say, how could a good God have allowed me to happen? Oh, we want to point the finger at the external thing. And how, where were you there, God? How could you have allowed that to happen? There, this was not a good thing. And yet, if we're honest, we should at some point be pointing the finger back to ourselves and saying, God, how could you have allowed this to happen? Here's what we need to understand today. God sent Jesus in the flesh, came down in human likeness, not to primarily deal with the external evil in the world, but primarily Jesus came to deal with the evil inside of us. He was on a beeline mission to the cross. He had a death sentence. But he knew death was not the end. He knew that ultimately he had to sacrifice his life so that thousands of years later, he could see your faces sitting in these seats and give you an opportunity to say yes to eternity, to say yes to a loving Savior. You see, he didn't come in that moment to deal with, oh, how did this happen, and why did this happen, and we have all of these questions. We need to understand primarily, see, see, there will be a day when he deals with all evil. All of the external evils that have been done, he's going to deal with that. Primarily, Jesus came to deal with the sin problem, the sin problem that is within our hearts. So the first truth that the resurrection brings to us is healing from our past because, because through the cross and through the resurrection, he begins to untangle all of the junk in your past and make sense of it. And here's what I love about what Jesus does in our life. You see, he doesn't just look at you and say, I can't believe you did that, but I'll forgive you. He forgives you, and then he uses what you thought was going to disqualify you from his grace. All of the hang-ups, all of the weaknesses, all of the addictions. He says, oh, no, 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 I'm not done with that yet. I'm going to actually use what was meant to kill you. I'm going to use it for your good and my glory. I don't know how many people in here, but I guarantee you there's people in this room right now who could say years ago, or maybe even more recent than that, I battled something very, very difficult. I had an addiction of this, and you know what? I got delivered from that, and now I'm walking somebody else through that very same thing, and they're, they're receiving healing because of what I went through that I thought disqualified me. So he has a way of dealing with our past, and thank God for that. You're looking at a preacher's kid that you would think, <laughs> maybe not, because preacher's kid, they, you know, they get bad raps, and so I just kind of fit the mold. I was a terrible kid, and, and I got caught up in drugs early on, and to the point was, by the time I was in my teenage years, I was full on just, you know, party and drugs all the time and just all kinds of stuff, and by the time I was 19 years old, it, I had moved down to South Florida, and it had gotten really, really bad, and, and to the point where I'd been arrested twice, I've had, you know, twice overdoses where I've one time woke up on, a, on the floor of a, uh, of a nasty, you know, convenience store bathroom after having a seizure and cold sweat. I woke up and just thank God that I was still alive. You see, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was confused. And, and, and even as a pastor's kid, I, I was just, I, I knew of God, but it was an external, it was just an external idea that I thought everybody just, you just said, oh, sure, God exists. 
Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, I believe in Jesus. Everyone believes in Jesus, right? I mean, if you poll, you know, the United States, like 75% of people will tell you they're Christian, but what does that mean? You see, if it never becomes something that goes from out here and external and inside that brings change to you, then it's meaningless, worthless. As a matter of fact, many times religion can have the opposite effect. It can be harmful. Religion void of power will kill. And so I came to the place, church, where, you know, I thought because of all that I had done, I was disqualified. The pastor's kid, what a shame. I'd shamed my parents. Look back on things that I did, and I just thought, what a terrible person. And, and, and so I remember in my mind thinking that I had gotten to a point where there was no hope for me. I remember getting to the point where I said, you know what, I've done too much. I've gone too far. I've crossed too many lines. It's, it's, it's it for me. There's no hope for me. So you know what, I'm just going to live it up. I'm just going to live it up. Till one day I found Jesus. I wasn't really looking for him, so I should say he, you know, I didn't find him like I was searching for him. As a matter of fact, he found me, and, and for the first time in my life, I felt the physical, tangible love of a father. Physical love of, of, of a heavenly father, the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I began to say, God, there's no way. There's no way this could be you right now. I've done too much. I can't believe there's no way. You know what I've done. How could, you be, how could you be drawing me to yourself right now? There's no way. I had disqualified myself. Only to realize that it was the very things that I had put in front of God to say I'm disqualified. That he grabbed and said these are the very things that qualify you for my grace. These are the very things that qualify you for new life. He says, I didn't come for those who don't need a physician. I came for the sick. That means we need to know our sin condition and that Jesus is the answer. So he has a way of bring, bringing healing to the past. No matter how you walked in here today, Jesus can redeem any hurt. He can redeem any fear. He can redeem any failure and bring healing to your past. Do you believe that? Not only can he heal your past, but he can bring peace to your present situation. Look at verse 23. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, hey, Martha, it's okay. It's okay. I know it seems like I didn't show up because I'm a mean guy. I know it, sh it seems like that I was just two days late because, you know, I had better things to do. But it's okay, because your brother will rise again. And in Martha, in her head, she began to try to compute that. And so she said, she said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So here we have Martha looking back. You should have been there. Where were you? Jesus steps on the scene and says, it's going to be okay. And like many of us say many times to the Lord, oh, yeah, it's great. Like, everything's going to work out in the end. We're going to be in heaven one day. So we're looking back at what's happened in the mess, and we look forward way out here to think, well, one day in the, in the by and by, we're going to be with Jesus in the clouds. But what does that leave for us right here, right now? A gaping void. And so Jesus steps in and says, no, 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 you don't understand, Martha. I am the resurrection, and I am the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Here Jesus is, he is doing away with the thought that he's just a good teacher. You see, this is what I hear a lot too. Do you believe in Jesus? Oh yeah, he's a great teacher. Huh. Gotta be, gotta be, can't be just a great teacher. People call me a teacher. I love to teach the Bible. But let me tell you something. If I came up here today and I said, hey, Easter 2019, so excited to have you guys here today. Hey, I just want to let you know, newsflash, I'm God. (laughs) You who would look to your neighbor and be like, I knew it. We came to the crazy church. Let's go home. Come on. (laughs) And you'd be out of here so fast because I am... (laughs) I'm either who I say I am or I'm crazy, and you know I'm not God. What does that leave you with? Crazy. So Jesus claiming to be present, resurrected. See, he's not even claiming that I will be resurrected. He says, I am resurrection. What does that mean? Whatever in your life that has been stolen and robbed and dead, God can breathe life into that thing. And you will see resurrection come from it. Because he is resurrection, but not just resurrection, but he says, and I am the life. Martha, I'm the present. I I am. He is inserting himself as the solution to this problem that Martha has. He says, you're not thinking straight, Martha. You need to understand who you're talking to. I'm the resurrection, but I am the present tense life that you need. I am enough for any and every circumstance you will ever face. Any and every circumstance that you will ever face. For me, it was the, it was the peace of God when I said yes to Jesus, 20 years old, in the Coast Guard, marching along, nobody talking to me. Holy Spirit came all over me, and I said yes to Jesus, but it was the tangible peace that I felt that hooked me. See, as somebody who's done my share of drugs and partying, and I mean, I, I told the other services today, he said, don't let any pastor lie to you and tell you that sin is not fun. You wake today? <laughs> You're looking at somebody who spent years in sin, and I had my share of fun, but it didn't last. You see, what happened was, is, is the enemy, he, he, this is what he does. He puts this amazing steak on a plate, and he pushes it right up in front of you to where you can actually smell it. And you're like, man, that looks like a real steak. It looks good. It's medium rare, just like I like it. A little pink coming off onto the plate. Man, this is perfect. I mean, I know God said that, but look at the steak. What you realize is that it's, smelling good and it looks good and you begin to take a bite of that steak only to realize that there was hooks inside of it. Now you're worse off than you were before. This is what sin does. We enjoy it for a season. The devil wants us to enjoy it for a season. He reels us in with lies. Jesus comes on the scene and brings peace, but it's not, it's not the type of peace that or the type of enjoyment you find at a nightclub or with a bottle because you wake up the next day with a hangover. You see, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I woke up the next day and I was like, whoa, like I still feel this peace upon me and I'm not even, I don't have a hangover. 
Like, this is amazing. So I'm like, man. And then I realized that, see, I, then I went to a church and I, and I experienced his presence. And, and, and then the, the next like aha moment for me was like, wait a minute. I can experience his presence in my car. I mean, I lived in New Orleans. I had a 30-minute drive to the Coast Guard station. And when I, it changed my life, I was like, wait a minute. I can experience what I experienced at church in my car? Boom, just explosion went off. I'm like, this is, this is life-changing. And then I realized that I can encounter a living Savior every day of my life and have the peace of God because Philippians says God is peace. He offers peace, but it says he is. He is the personification of peace, and he lives inside of us. So if you don't have peace today, you need to go to the source. And his name is Jesus. So as peace for your presence. Peace for your presence. I look back on the, you know, 21 years old and however many, 17 years ago that that was for me. And everybody said, Stephen, it's just a fad. Stephen, just calm down, buddy. And 17 years later, I'm burning hotter than I ever have before because of the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus. And I'm still following him with every fiber in my being because it's the only thing that filled the void in my life. You and I were created with this, with this hunger for satisfaction, with this desire for more. You see, some of you are sitting here today and you're like, oh, this is great. You know, the young pastor is talking about, oh, this is great. Yeah, but see, I already got peace. I'm, I'm, well, I'm like one step away from peace. You see, what you're doing is you, you, you're, not, you're, you're not like relating to me when I'm talking about like the drug addiction and you're like, no, I'm good, man. I got a good family. I got good kids. I'm golden. I just, I'm so close to where I need to be. I'm just here to check the Easter box. Roll call. I was here. But see, the problem is, is that you've been one step away from fulfillment for years. And, and what you thought last year if I could just take that step, then I would be fulfilled. Well, you've taken it, and you're living in it now, and you've already moved on to something else, saying, if I could just get there, I'll be fulfilled. I'm so close to the peace and happiness that I need in my life. And if you're not careful, you will spend the rest of your life one step away from the fulfillment that's staring you in the face this morning in the person of Jesus. He brings peace for your present. I don't care how you came in here. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what country you're. This is the great thing about the gospel. You, you, you really think the gospel is for like middle class white people? Like you, you, you need to rethink this thing. You, you see, I was a missionary in Central America. You can take this good news to the tribes to Africa and watch their face light up and watch gospel transformation heal and deliver somebody in another language. They just need to hear the good news of Jesus. It doesn't matter how much money you have or what color your skin is. See, the gospel is the good news. It's the good news. You need to know that there's lasting peace available to you right now in the person of Jesus. That's what I want you to get. So you leave here without it. That's on you. Is that okay to say? He's offering life, wholeness, and peace to every person here right now. Not only does he give 
healing for the past and peace for the present. He gives hope for the future. Look at verse 38. And Jesus, in verse 38, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Martha, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me and I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they would believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth and Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go here's what I want to paint the picture for you this morning the death of, of Lazarus and his resurrection was a type and a shadow of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus knew that in just a few moments I'm gonna give my life and I'm gonna die and then three days later the Father's gonna raise me from the dead. Why? Because then as soon as you and I say yes in faith, the Father looks down at us and says, unbind them and let them go. Unbind him, take off the chains, take off the grave clothes, and let them go. And I don't know about you, but as a 20-year-old, the feeling of being free in Jesus and being unbound and being let go and free, I told, I told one of the services, it was like I had been living my whole life like a jet ski with the kill switch pulled, like trying to enjoy this thing, but always feeling like there was more. And then one day Jesus comes in and just cranks that thing up. And I've been cruising ever since, church. I've been cruising ever since. Listen, here's what I want to tell you today. Jesus is here. The resurrection of Jesus is, is the stamp of approval from the Father that said everything Jesus just did was enough. It was enough to, to break the, the sin that you had in your life, the shame that you faced. It was enough. His sacrifice, church, was enough. And I hear people say all the time, well, how do you know that he's alive? How do you really know he's alive? Thinking about that this week, and there are, first of all, we see in the book of Corinthians, hundreds of eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Hundreds. That, that were not crazy people. See, if like the crazy guy in the desert said he saw Jesus, uh, okay, let's just, let's just scratch that one off, right? And then the crazy lady over there said she saw him too. Uh, I mean, we could scratch that off. Hundreds of, of normal, in their right mind people testified, I saw him. He was dead and now he's alive. Now, hang with me. Not only were there hundreds of witnesses, but this was written in thousands of manuscripts. Why is that important? I was thinking about history, if you like history. Maybe you learned about King Arthur. But how do you know King Arthur really existed? Hey, for that matter, how do you even know George Washington existed? How do you know? You, were you there? No, you know because of manuscripts. 
And in your history class, if as your professor is talking about King Arthur and George Washington, you just raised your hand and piped up and said, hey, I don't really believe that. As a matter of fact, I don't even really believe George Washington ever existed. They would laugh at you. They would mock you. Well, what do you mean you don't believe? We, are you crazy? We, we've got documents, historical documents stating this person existed, multiple, sometimes eight and nine manuscripts. And yet with the story of Jesus, we have thousands that would hold up in any court of law. Thousands of manuscripts that prove that this man lived and was seen after his death. Now, that may not convince you, as good as it sounds. But here's what convinced me. When I felt the Spirit moving on my life, and I experienced something that I knew was not from me. You see, the, the word supernatural it just means, see, the word super means above, and you know the word natural. So it just means something that took place that was beyond what I can reach. Supernatural. You're looking at somebody who, I, see, I don't even remember crying when I was a kid. I don't remember crying when I was, I, I had a hard heart. I was selfish. You can ask my parents. They're here today. My brothers are here. You can ask them. I was not a friendly person to be around. I was all about this guy. And I gave my life to Jesus, and all of a sudden, the hardened heart became soft. And I remember specifically one night when I had given my life to Jesus, just, just being alone in my apartment and weeping under the presence of God, a tangible presence of the Lord, and literally breaking off chains, breaking off addictions on my life. It's amazing that I'm doing what I'm doing today. If you would have known me, it's a miracle. We like to talk about miracles of, oh my, you know, this person healed. But what about the healing of the heart? What about the healing of a heart where God takes a cold, hardened heart and softens it, changes it and makes us new? I, I could go on. I could have many of you come up onto the stage and grab this microphone and testify of the life change that you've experienced Addictions that you faced and thought you would never overcome. And because of a moment in the presence of Jesus, you've experienced freedom and the unbinding of the grave clothes. And the chains began to fall off of you. Ooh, addictions that I faced years ago. Praise God, I've fallen. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Oh, but I have experienced a risen Savior. I've experienced a risen living Jesus. So if the manuscripts don't do it for you, just talk to a few people on your way out of here. Talk to a few people on your way out of here. Ask them to share their Jesus story with you. You try to tell me that over the last 2,000 years, millions upon millions upon millions of lives have been radically transformed just by saying a name in faith he either rose from the grave or he didn't but if he did everything changes everything everything changes 
I'm here to testify to you today, church, that because of the resurrection of Jesus, your past can be healed and untangled. He can invade your present circumstance and bring peace where you thought no peace could ever exist. He's the one who speaks to the storm anyway, right? Let him speak to you today. And then, oh, he gives such a hope, such a hope. 2 Corinthians 4.14, in closing, says this, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. Come on, I gotta say that again. Knowing that he, that's the Father who raised the Lord Jesus, will raise us also with Jesus. What does that mean for you and for me? That means that though Jesus died, yes, we must die. But because Jesus was raised, we are raised with him to newness of life. Raised to life. Raised to life. We have a hope. What does that mean? No matter what you're going through today, we have a hope. We have a future. Jesus is molding, working things in and through us, all for his glory. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I just wonder, how many of you today would be honest and say, you know, I, I was... I was drugged to church. I, I, I was drugged here. I, I said earlier that that's how I was. I, I grew up with a drug problem. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. And many of you were drugged here today. And maybe you were drugged here and you, you believed in God. And so you thought this would be a great place to come and just, you know, do what you're supposed to do. But I want to I ask you today, have you ever trusted Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior? You see, I don't mean have you ever been to church. I don't mean have, have you ever been through the motions or did you agree to a, some belief system? No, no, no. I mean, have you ever had a moment in your life like I did when I was 20 years old where I said yes to Jesus? I let him in my life, but I made him the Lord of my life. We like him as Savior. We don't like him as Lord. Lord means, God, you have total control. Has there ever been a point in your life when you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? That's the first question. Number two, number two, has there ever been a time that you knew the Lord but you drifted away. You drifted away. Maybe you used to go to church and there was a moment when you said yes to Jesus, but if you're honest, you've just gotten busy with life maybe, or, or maybe things have been coming and crowding your life and you've really just allowed things in your life to push you away. He's calling you today back home. So whether you need to make a decision for him for the first time in your life and receive the forgiveness of your sins or whether you just need to come back to him and you know, you know who you are. He's calling you back to a place of belief today. If you fit one of those two categories with heads bowed and eyes closed, just wave at me. I want to pray for you today. I'd love to pray for you. Anyone at all? Just, I see your hand. Anyone else? 
You need to give Jesus your life or you need to come back to him. Anyone else in the room? This is what I want us to do. I want us to pray a prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you to, whether you're watching online right now, whether you're sitting in here, I want us all to pray this together. Say, Jesus. Come on, say it loud. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, but on the third day, were raised from the dead. And today I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand with us today? Can we just give it up for those who said yes to Jesus? Come on, you can do better than that. The Bible says, when one sinner turns to the Lord, all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven is rejoicing.